Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Monday, the 19th of September, 2022, the 23rd of Elul, 5782, coming to you on this Monday from Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people, just outside the walls of the old city of Jerusalem. Hope you are well, hope you are safe, and you're part of the world. This is the last program, the last podcast here for the year 5782, next Sunday night, we begin a new Jewish year, the year 5783. Of course, we will not be podcasting next Monday because it is Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, starting on Sunday night and then Monday and Tuesday. So for those of you celebrating the Jewish New Year, wishing everyone a healthy and happy New Year and I'm sure I'll do so at the end of the program as well. Let's dive into the news here. This happened just several hours ago, uh, I believe on the news program 60 Minutes. Last night, Iran's President Racy casts doubt that the Holocaust existed, says more research is needed. This is reported by the Jerusalem Post. Uh, Iranian President Ibrahim Raisi could not confirm that he thinks the Holocaust happened in a 60 Minutes interview uh, aired last night. When asked if he believes it happened that 6 million Jews were killed, he responded per translation, historical events should be investigated by researchers and historians. There are some signs that it happened. If so, they should allow it to be investigated and researched. So, that is the president of Iran speaking. The same country that the U.S. and the rest of the world is begging to enter into a deal with in regard to nuclear weapons. These are Holocaust deniers. These are anti-Semites. These are the biggest sponsors of terror around the world. And for some reason, the world continues I know right now they're saying a deal is not likely, it probably won't happen, but these are the people who the West wants to deal with, anti-Semites, Holocaust deniers, and uh, that is the sad reality. We are begging them to transfer them billions of dollars so that they can get nuclear weapons. Of course, everyone condemning his remarks on 60 Minutes leaders here in Israel, but this is what he believes, Holocaust denial. And let's not forget Mahmoud Abbas, the president uh, of the PA, also prime minister, whatever you want to call him, of the, the leader of the Palestinian Authority, also a Holocaust denier, just like the Iranians. And people think these people want peace. And that is the world, the crazy world we live in today. So this just happened. This was just aired. I don't know when the interview actually took place, but this was just aired last night on the news program, 60 Minutes, Holocaust Denial. Closer to home here in Israel, the IDF on Monday morning, also reported by the J-Post just now, uh, IDF uh, confirmed that bullets were shot at an Israeli car in the town of Khawara, that's just outside of Shrem, near Itamar, Itar, that area of the Shomron. 
And I can't count how many times this has happened over the last several weeks that an Israeli vehicle was targeted in a shooting attack. Thank God this morning, no casualties, although the, uh, the vehicle sustained damage from the bullets, bullet casings located, authorities searching for the perpetrators. So another miracle this morning that an Israeli civilian vehicle came under fire. Jews just trying to get from points A to points B, point A to point B, coming under fire. But thank God nobody was hurt in the attack this morning. Going back to news on Wednesday, horrible news. Ynet reported, this is already several days ago, but it's it still is is fresh. I mean, the family is, is still sitting shiva here, and I'm talking about... Uh, this report from Ynet, the IDF on Wednesday, identified 30-year-old Major Bar Fala as the Israeli officer who was killed in an overnight shootout with Arab gunmen adjacent to the security barrier in the Yudava Shamron. Fala, he was the deputy commander of the elite Nahal Reconnaissance Unit. He fired back at the terrorists before being hit and collapsing due to his fatal wounds. So according to this uh, preliminary probe into the incident, two suspects were spotted. 15 meters away from the security barrier near a, an Arab village north of Jenin. Uh, about two and a half hours before the shootout, IDF force dispatched to the scene and the terrorists who were armed opened fire. The Arab terrorists opened fire, jihadists at the troops. Soldiers returned fire, killed the, uh, the two terrorists. Unfortunately, uh, Fala, 30-year-old Major Bar Fala, was killed in this anti-terror operation. Very, very sad. Very sad. Uh, it just happened again. Uh, again, I say again because, you know, how many different murderous attacks have we been talking about uh, this year alone, since March? How many Israelis have been killed since just before Ramadan in March and then in April. And now it continues with shootings on the roads, shootings into communities, IDF soldiers being targeted. Uh, the Jerusalem Post, another one here, a shooting attack reported in the town of Carmel. I know exactly where that is. In the southern Hebron Hills on Thursday night, uh, the town was uh, was then under lockdown as the security forces arrived to sort things out. One Israeli, an 18-year-old, moderately wounded in the incident, transferred to the hospital. IDF conducting a manhunt still for the suspected terrorist. Apparently, from what I understand, the terrorist shot into the community from just outside the fence line area, uh, hit this 18-year-old student at the local Hezder Yeshiva inside the community before fleeing the scene. So that also happened since last week's show. They are using guns. They are shooting. You can call it what you want. You can call it a so-called intifada. I don't use that terminology, but a continuation of this most recent wave of terror. And now it's not only rocks and firebombs, which we see on a daily basis, but it is guns now as well. So everyone out there driving the roads, be careful. 
Be careful. Stay vigilant wherever you are, not only in Judea and Samaria. Last week on the show, I believe we discussed how a terror attack was thwarted in Jaffa as a terrorist was potentially on his way to Tel Aviv to carry out an attack. <clears throat> so we must stay vigilant wherever we are. The New York, or rather U.S. desk of the Jerusalem Post, Washington actually, reported the other day that the House Foreign Affairs Committee has approved the Peace and Tolerance in Palestinian Education Act, which aims to help prevent U.S. tax dollars from funding anti-Semitic education materials in school in the Gaza Strip. A bipartisan bill was sponsored by Representatives Brian Mast, Republican from Florida, and Brad Sherman, Democrat from California, and passed in a unanimous vote on Thursday. The next step would be a vote on the House floor. So the U.S. Congress trying to crack down on the incitement, and they would like to make sure that U.S. dollars don't go towards sponsoring hate education, both in UNRWA schools and Palestinian Authority schools. My question is, I mean, this... this hate education has been taking place for years and years and years and how many different investigations have there been into the school system again this is a positive development here but how many different times have we gone down the road of investigating UNRWA schools and the PA schools and determining that in fact they're preaching hate education so now in this case if signed into law, the bill would require the U.S. Department of State to conduct an assessment of educational materials used in schools in Gaza and the PA-controlled areas and determine if the materials encourage violence towards other groups, including Israelis. The State Department must also assess if any U.S. foreign aid is used to produce or disseminate such materials. According to Chef, this bill will determine whether U.S. tax dollars are used to fund the dissemination of the offending materials. UNRWA's use of the PA curriculum every day, every school day, would certainly fit into this rubric, he said. So will the U.S. once again defund UNRWA? The Trump administration decided to stop funding UNRWA, and then the Biden administration went ahead and changed their minds and decided to refund UNRWA. Like, why not carry out a study on the textbooks and on who UNRWA really is before refunding them. Like, why didn't the Biden administration do something like this beforehand instead of just handing them all the cash they have? I think you, I don't know if the U.S. is once again the biggest donor of UNRWA, but why not do the due diligence before instead of just sticking it? That's really what this is. It's sticking it to the Trump administration. It's just doing the opposite of what the Trump administration did just to get back at them. And here you have hate education on a day-to-day -day basis. And somebody who's very familiar with hate education within the Palestinian authorities, Itamar Marcus, the director of Palestinian Media Watch. And he had an op-ed. I want to turn to this op-ed in the Jerusalem Post yesterday. The headline is, Never Again Withdrawal from Judea and Samaria. And just to summarize the article... He essentially says um, that Israel did everything that it was required to do by the Oslo Accords, even though they were the bad Oslo Accords. And there's no reason Israel needs to make any territorial withdrawals. And the PA has no territorial claims. 
In fact, he actually argues in this op-ed, you can read it, it was in yesterday's Jerusalem Post, he actually argues that it's the Palestinian Authority that needs to relinquish areas which they've illegally taken over in Area C. Okay, so I'm not going to read read the uh, uh, op-ed. I'll let you go ahead and go back and check out again Itamar Marcus's Never Again Withdraw from Judea and Samaria. All right, and I, you know, 100% agree with that. We should have never gone down the path of Oslo in the first place. But now that we, now that we have, I will read this, uh, the concluding paragraph here. He says, Possibly Israel's greatest diplomatic failure has been its inability to say these words in international forums. Israel has fulfilled its obligations under international law. There will be no more Israeli withdrawals. It's time to, for us to say this publicly, unabashedly, and definitely to ourselves and to the international community, and then to start developing Area C of Judea and Samaria earnestly, since we are here to stay. So again, check out that op-ed in yesterday's Jerusalem Post. Uh, JNS News reports uh, five soldiers were killed and physical damage was sustained on Saturday in a series of Air Force strikes, apparently Israeli Air Force strikes, at Damascus Airport and southern Syria. This reported by Syrian Arab News, uh, the Syrian Arab News Agency, of course, not confirmed by Israel. Uh, the third reported Israeli strike wave in Syria in the past two weeks and what, what represents an intensified stage in Israel's campaign to roll back Iranian military entrenchment in the country. Uh, Ynet cited regional diplomatic and intelligence sources on Saturday as saying that Iran has recently increased its efforts to smuggle weapons to proxies and partners in Syria and Lebanon, including Hezbollah. Uh, Tehran has adopted air transport as a more reliable means of ferrying military equipment to its forces and allied fighters in Syria following disruptions to ground transfers. So according to this report, uh, five soldiers killed and damaged in a series of Israeli Air Force strikes at Damascus Airport and in another location, again, not confirmed by Israel. But we'll assume it was Israel and uh, Israel doing what is necessary to prevent Iran from entrenching itself in Syria, uh, just to our north, uh, northeast border there. Okay, switching gears here. Uh, Prime Minister Yair Lapid recounted his own family's tragic experiences in describing the government's efforts to improve road safety during the weekly cabinet meeting on Sunday. Transportation and Road Safety Minister Mirav Micheli will this morning, this was yesterday morning, Submit to the cabinet a proposal to boost our fight against traffic accidents. This fight is in our soul. Every accident that you hear about in the media tears a family apart. What makes this even more terrible is that many of these accidents were preventable had the right work been done. Now, the prime minister said the state of Israel has not done enough to fight traffic accidents. In recent years, other countries have succeeded in lowering by double digits the occurrence of fatal accidents because they acted properly. The government is now making change happen and going to work in this area as well. I don't know what the plan is here. Uh, this is also by Ynet, by the way. I don't know what the plan is here, but this is a major problem in Israel. It's just senseless. The number of traffic accidents, and I, I get every single, unfortunately on my phone, I get every single um, report by the MADA 
emergency response uh, organization and I see the daily traffic accidents and again it is just senseless there's a lot of crazy driving going on here and I will say especially in Judea and Samaria okay and a lot of the time it's uh, again it's not just the Arabs under the Palestinian Authority but a lot of the time just driving to Jerusalem from Gush Etzion this morning, uh, Arabs living under the Palestinian Authority doing the craziest things on the road, passing five, six cars, whether it's a dotted line or a solid white line or whatever. It's crazy driving. There's also a lack of proper infrastructure, confusing signs, uh, street signs, uh, traffic signs, the works. I always have said um, there should be a, a Knesset party here in Israel dedicated just to this issue, road safety. I think it's absolutely necessary. Again, I know there are organizations out there who focus on road safety, but there should be like constant Knesset legislation being passed to improve the quality of road safety and driving education and everything necessary I mean, it's really hard, by the way. It's really hard to get a license here in Israel. You have to go through so many tests uh, to prove that you are capable of handling a car on the road. But nevertheless, there's so many, so many accidents. And, you know, and I personally know, unfortunately know, young people who were killed in car accidents. It's just really terrible. Um, I think it's a huge, huge internal issue here in the state of Israel that must be dealt with. Uh, now we are going to get, uh, that's the real world. Now we are, we are going to get into the Marvel universe, but it's also part of the real world because another, just another means to bash the state of Israel. This reported by I 24. The headline is many say they are shocked to see a Zionist character joining the Marvel universe. Marvel. You know, Iron Man and Captain America and all those characters. Marvel has responded to criticism over an Israeli character to be played by an Israeli actress in the U.S. film studio's next blockbuster called Captain America New World Order. They are casting Shira Haas for the role of the superheroine Sabra. And this is angering Arab organizations. And Marvel, their response is they will take a new approach to the character. So apparently this character, Sabra, I've never heard of Sabra, the Israeli superhero. Uh, apparently uh, she was introduced 40 years ago, some sort of Mossad agent character whose real, real identity is Ruth Bat uh, Seraph. She is a mutant with superpowers working for Israel's national intelligence agency, the Mossad who fights in a white and blue suit with a star of David on her chest. So this is a fictitious character, um, which Marvel apparently uh, came up with 40 years ago. But, but the bottom line here is that people are upset that Captain America will feature an Israeli superhero. And they're all different types of accusations. This is offensive uh, stereotypes against Arabs and the dehumanization of, uh, sorry, the dehumanization of Arabs in cinema. And the story here is really in, in the headline that I read above. They don't want to see a Zionist character. 
And it'll be interesting to see how Mark Ruffalo, you know, the Israel hater, the actor, um, if he's cast in this movie as the Hulk, that's who he plays. Um, and he speaks out against Israel all the time. I'm curious to see what he does. Again, um, I've never heard of this character before, but in these woke anti-Israel circles, it doesn't surprise me that people are making a fuss out of this. God forbid you should have uh, an Israeli with a star of David who's a superhero. That is offensive to the, uh, certainly the BDS anti-Israel haters, and apparently a lot of Arabs are upset about this. And notice how they refer to the uh, the character as the Zionist, the Zionist character, because those who don't recognize Israel's right to exist won't even say the word state of Israel. They just use the word Zionist. Uh, let's finish the show on something positive. Let's finish the year on something positive here. This is an amazing story. Ynet. 101-year-old American U.S. resident Stella Rockoff became the oldest person in, in the past five years. I can't believe she's not the per- last, the oldest person ever to make Aliyah to Israel. Stella was actually born in Jerusalem in 1921, left with her family to the U.S. when she was six years old. Now, 96 years later, she has returned to her place of birth, accompanied by her daughter and son-in-law. Rockoff says she is fulfilling a lifelong dream and is most looking forward to reuniting with grandchildren and great-grandchildren who are already living in Israel. Uh, there's a picture in the article. She presents her birth certificate issued in mandatory Palestine in 1921, written in Hebrew, English, and Arabic. Wow. If there was a country called Palestine, and I wasn't even going to get into the politics of this, but if there was really a country called Palestine, why would there be Hebrew writing on her birth certificate? That is because it was British mandatory Palestine, and there was never a state of Palestine in the history of the world. That's all beside the point, okay? I didn't want to get into that now, but that just came up because I'm reading here in the article. So with the help of Nefesh Benefesh, the Jewish Agency, the Absorption Ministry, JNF USA, Stella Rockoff, along with her daughter Eileen and son-in-law Michael, joined 60 other immigrants on a flight to Israel this past week. With over 20 close family members in Israel, Rockoff says that what she was look, as I said this before, um, I repeats it here, most looking forward to seeing her children and grandchildren who were on hand, this is the point, were on hand to greet her at Ben Gurion Airport. So Mazal Tov to Stella Rockoff, 101 years old, deciding to make Aliyah here on the final week of the year on the Jewish calendar, 5782. Again, Rosh Hashanah next Sunday night through Tuesday night. No show next week. Want to wish everyone out there a happy and healthy new year. Only good things in the year to come. I want to thank Benjamin Breski, engineer extraordinaire, Tabitha Epstein for everything she does behind the scenes. I want to thank everyone at the Land of Israel Network for making these podcasts possible, for hosting these shows. Don't forget, you can get in touch with me during the week, josh at thelandofisrael.com, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. That is how you can reach me. Wishing everyone out there a happy and healthy new year. From Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the state of Israel, and the Jewish people, Shana Tova, everyone. Take care. 
Knesset Network at thelandofisrael.com.